0: The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt, Jr. So what is advertising and how do you use advertising to sell more books? This and more we're going to discuss today on the Christian Publishing Show and joining us is the expert on ads. His name is Chris Fox. He's published over 20 novels and has a series of nonfiction books that teach writers how to duplicate his success. Chris, welcome to the Christian Publishing Show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on, Thomas.
0: So we should probably start off by asking the question, what is advertising and how is it different from marketing? Because some people use those terms interchangeably, and I think that's a a trap.
1: I found this very scary when I was first getting into selling my own books because I didn't understand the difference between two of them. And it is really simple, and I wish somebody had broken it down for me back then. Marketing is anything that you do to get your book into the hands of your readers. And that can be passive marketing, like designing an amazing cover that when they walk by it, they can't help but pick it up. Or it can be more active advertising where you're trying to find ways like maybe being on a podcast like this one only for your chosen genre so that maybe readers are hearing about you. Things like that all fall under the umbrella of marketing. And one flavor of marketing is advertising. Advertising is quite simply exchanging money for for visual real estate somewhere. You're you're getting an ad on Amazon or Facebook or BookBub or any number of sites where readers theoretically are browsing for their next read so that you have the chance to be selected. Um, Advertising is great, but it's it's not the be-all end-all of marketing, and that's why it's important to understand the difference.
0: Yeah, as I like to say, all ham is pork, but not all pork is ham. Uh, So while all advertising is marketing, not all marketing is advertising. And if all you do to promote your book is advertise, that is a really expensive and difficult way to do it because there's a lot more to uh, promoting and selling a book than just paying for people's attention. So you're talking about book covers. Now, the book cover has more than just the impact on the bookshelf. It also affects the ads. What have you seen in terms of placing the book cover on the ad and what works and what doesn't uh, in that regard?
1: You can boil um, all ad images and your cover, your book cover itself, down into symbols. So there's going to be some sort of symbol on that cover, a dragon, a cowboy, uh, a, a spaceship, whatever your thing that you're into is going to register in your reader's brain. And that's your opportunity to do the whole, a picture is worth a thousand words. If you can show them visually, this is something you're interested in, then that's half the battle to getting them to buy your book.
0: That's right. Because part of the goal of the cover is to communicate very quickly the genre of your book. So that as soon as somebody sees it, they're like, ah, I'm the kind of person who's into this kind of book or as they probably say in their head, this is the kind of book that's for me. (laughs) This is the kind of book that I'm looking for or the other way around. And a mistake I often see is authors who have beautiful covers, but they're a cover for a different genre. And uh, that makes the selling of the book harder, but also leads to bad reviews because someone bought the book thinking it was X and it turns out it was Y and then they judge it based off of how close it was to what they thought it was going to be. (laughs) Like this had fantastic elements and that surprised me. I thought it was going to be literary fiction, right? A literary fiction reader isn't going to like those fantastic elements in your story. uh, Whereas if you were more obvious or more honest about it in your your cover, you wouldn't um, fall into that trap. Exactly. So, uh, what are some of the mistakes uh, that you see authors make when buying ads? Well, the first thing that I recommend that every
1: author do, and this is very, very difficult, is a brutal assessment of their cover and their blurb. So, you're looking at your marketing for your basic marketing for your book, and this could be on Amazon, it could be on on any outlet where your book is sold. But you're looking to see what that presentation is like, and if you can't honestly say to yourself my cover is the best cover in the business and and I can hang with the biggest people in my genre, then full stop, you shouldn't be spending money on advertising. And the biggest mistake I see is people will spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on advertising with a cover that's not converting. And so they're effectively wasting money uh, because they haven't gotten those, those fundamentals correct.
0: Yeah, good advertising helps a bad cover fail faster. (laughs) The more people you show that bad cover to, the more people you've convinced this is not the kind of book I want to buy. Uh, And it really does hold all of your advertising back. But uh, when you have the right cover, advertising can be incredibly effective. Why is that? Why is advertising so amazing for some authors at driving uh, thousands and thousands of sales for their books? So we were absolutely born in the right place at the right time. Um, We can market in a way
1: that wasn't even possible 20 years ago. So for most of us growing up, we watched a lot of television and we saw very broad shotgun uh, advertising where, you know, it could be one commercial is about pizza and the next commercial is about, you know, season tickets to some football game. They don't know who's watching that. They had no idea. They had to sort of guess and do their best to make sure they were hitting their audience. We can dial in exactly who we're looking for. We can choose age. We can choose location. We can choose occupation. Um, we can use keywords, and so you can really dial in exactly the people that are genuinely interested in your fiction. So the beauty of that is you're you're pairing people who are genuinely interested in in what you're selling w- with your books, so that you're giving them something they want, and you, of course, are are selling books, which which is what you want.
0: I love this because for the right people, those ads are not actually annoying, right? What's the biggest complaint about advertisements? Like, oh, they're so annoying. They're so obnoxious. They interrupt what I'm wanting to watch. And yet, if it's what they're already looking for, or if it's a good fit for what they are, the kind of person who wants that sort of thing, they don't see it as an ad. They see it as content, right? When you are on Amazon browsing through books, you don't Feel, oh, this book that's in the same genre of the other books that I'm browsing. That doesn't feel like an ad because it's something they're already showing. Interest in and that targeting whether it's on Amazon or Facebook or BookBub or whatever uh, really allows it to be more effective because it doesn't make sense right to do radio ads or television ads. Uh, you could you could buy those right. You could call up your local TV station; they'd be happy to sell you some uh, ad space. You know, it's two or three thousand dollars uh, a spot for advertising on your local TV station, depending on uh, what market you're in, and that will be. Completely wasted money. Or almost completely wasted money. Uh, Because the kind the generic kind of people who watch TV are not the specific kind of people who read your specific kind of book. And so for every relevant person you're talking to, you're paying for a dozen, two dozen others who would never buy your book under any circumstance.
1: Well said, there was a a movie back in I want to say the nineteen eighties with Richard Pryor called Brewster's Millions. And the gimmick was that he had to get rid of a whole bunch of money as fast as possible. And so the question was, how is he going to spend this money? What I wish I could have gone back in time and told him is, dude, just advertise on TV. Like, do some (laughs) radio advertising. Your money will be gone
0: immediately. It is true. Advertising on TV can make sense if you're making generic products for generic people, right? Your TV ads on the football game probably pay for themselves. uh, But they don't work for authors. What does work or what can work? For authors is Facebook ads. Now, I know I've, on this show, been very negative on Facebook, and I am when it comes to free promotion. Uh, Facebook doesn't work very well. Uh, you post something on Facebook, no one sees it. But as an advertising platform, Facebook can work. And I, I, I'm kind of curious, Chris, what kind of results you've seen with Facebook ads specifically?
1: So I funnel about $3,000 a month through Facebook, and I have consistently for the last few years. Um, and I'll stop as soon as it's no longer effective. Uh, I can reach my target audience. I know exactly who they are. I know what movies they like to watch. I know what they were watching 10 years ago and 20 years ago. I know what they read. Uh, and, and because I have this wealth of information about them, I can reach them wherever they are on the globe. I have a different set of ads that are running for the United Kingdom. I have another one for Australia, one for Canada, one for the U.S. and so I can micro-target all of these different niche audiences that comprise my greater audience to get my book in front of them. And there's no other platform in the world that will allow me to do that with the same kind of granular control that Facebook offers.
0: Now, when you said $3,000 a month, I think some people dropped their phones right there. Their earbuds popped out of their ears. But while you're spending $3,000 a month, you're not really spending $3,000 a month, right? Where is the money for those ads coming from?
1: So when I spend $3,000 a month, I have enough novels in print that I'm making probably six to $8,000 off of that $3,000 that got spent. So if I can't spend this money profitably, if I'm not making money back, then definitely I would curtail it. And that's the result of a lot of experimentation. But ultimately, the principle that I want to drive home is I, I make a profit because I understand who my
0: audience is and where to find them. So one way to think of this is the first month you spent $3,000. I know you didn't start spending that much, but let's just hypothetically imagine it for the sake of making the math simple. Then, and then you made $5,000, let's say, again, for simple math. The next month, you still have those $5,000 from the last month. And so you can take three of those thousand, spend them on the ads for the next month and you bring in $5,000 and effectively you're making $2,000 a month in books that you otherwise wouldn't be making, kind of moving forward into the future. So the the ads pay for themselves. It's not like you're having to go out and find $3,000 every month. You're happy to spend that money. You know, who wouldn't want to spend $3,000 to get $5,000 back, right? If there was a, a bank that gave that kind of change, everyone would want to go there. And so while advertising is expensive, effective advertising is actually less than free. It, it actually makes you money to do it.
1: It's a little bit scary
0: because, you know, you're spending
1: this money without knowing for sure that you're going to make money. So I could spend this money and then end up getting, you know, very few sales and and effectively losing money. So it's a little terrifying. I think it's especially terrifying if you're playing with your own money as an author. Um, but if you learn how to do it well, you can, can make uh, quite a good living off of that skill.
0: Now, you can use Facebook ads for more than just making money, and I do want to talk about this uh, because we have a lot of uh, traditionally published authors, and advertising their book on Facebook may not make sense because of the uh, royalty structure, but you can use Facebook ads to grow your email list that then helps you sell books in other places. How, How do you recommend authors do that? Especially, let's say, an unpublished author who's trying to get a publisher interested in them, and they need 2,500 people on their email list, how do they use Facebook ads to help build that email list?
1: I would put together a short story or a segment of my book that was going to be coming out that was incredibly engaging. So the first three to 5,000 words make it incredible or write a short story that's just amazing, your best work ever. I would spend a little bit of money to get a decent cover made, and then I would give that away for free. And I would use Facebook ads probably to promote that. I would zero in exactly who my audience is. You can choose, again, by age, gender, location, whatever you need to look at. Uh, And then I would try to give them this story and let them read it. And what would happen is if they like that story, uh, they're going to tell their friends about it. So not only do you get the sign-up of the person originally reading the story and they're maybe a little bit excited about when your novel comes out, but you're going to generate some buzz. So you can use Facebook to get that initial list and get that exposure to get likes on your Facebook page so that when a publisher looks at you, they see, oh, 2,000 people like this author, you know, maybe they've got a little bit of a following. So you can really start generating that buzz before you're even worried about getting published.
0: On our other podcast, Novel Marketing, we recommend this exact same process. And it's interesting because we've had listeners who, in their first week of running ads, got 700 new people signing up to their list and other listeners who have done the first week of ads and got two people signing up for their list. And so this is one of the interesting things you can find out right away if you found an audience for your book very quickly. Like you can see the results and very inexpensively, right? Because it's a lot less work to write a short story than it is to write a whole book. And if people aren't going to download your short story for free, they're not going to pay to read your book. And not everyone has found the right audience for their writing or has learned how to write the kind of books that people want to read, right? How do you write the kind of books people want to read? You write the kind of books that people want to read. <laughs> as, as you are the king of this, one of you, we should give a shout out, you wrote the book Right to Market. Uh, so real quick, I know this is a little off topic, but real quick, kind of summarize your case there for Right to Market and why that's a good idea from a business perspective.
1: Sure. So there are three tenets to writing to market. The first is you want to write in a genre that you know has an audience that can sustain you financially. So it's big enough and there's enough people there that you can make a living. You want to find the intersection between that group of things that that are currently selling and what you enjoy writing. And this is absolutely critical. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can make money in the world. If you're going to be writing to market, if you're going to be studying a market and then turning up something that that market is interested in, it should be something you want to write. So Uh, As an example, the very first book that I wrote to market was Destroyer. It was a military science fiction novel. Um, I wrote it to market. I looked at the market and I looked at the other books in that market and I sort of figured out what the emotional resonance that people were seeking was. And once I understood that, I synthesized a new story that was similar enough that they would like it. But a lot of people may consider that to be selling out, the idea that you're writing something the market's interested in. But I got to be clear, I I had a lot of fun writing that book and it's because I picked that intersection between a big market and something I was excited about writing.
0: And I don't think there's anything right wrong with this, right? Having that kind of servant's heart of like wanting to serve readers and write the kind of book that they already are wanting to read. A lot of authors like, oh, I have to be, you know, do something that has never been done before. And what they don't realize is that if it's truly something that's never been done before, you literally have no market there's no there's no built-in <laughs> fan base uh, and sure you may be the first person to write an Amish book and it's so successful that Amish books become the sensation right and you just created a whole new genre uh, but that only happens once or twice a generation you know it's not very o- very often somebody like uh, J.R.R. Tolkien writes a fantasy book and kind of creates epic fantasy as a genre, as separate from fairy tales, uh, which, you know, it's hard to imagine. But before Tolkien, you know, you had fairy tales and that was kind of it, right? You had the old stories uh, and this as a new genre didn't exist until he wrote the book that created the market. But that's very rare. It's a lot easier to write the kind of books that people already want to read. And advertising works better for those kinds of books. It works not as well for a book somebody has never even heard of, right? If it's completely outside of the wall. Like I have often wanted to write uh, a book about Cyrus, King Cyrus, the great of Persia, but nobody reads books about Persian history. It's not a genre with an audience. Right. And it's not a genre. I couldn't buy ads to get into, you know, historical fiction readers because a lot of people read historical fiction or wanting you know, English, you know, 1700s. But if you
1: wrote about Pharaoh Khafre from Egypt, on the other hand, then people would be eating it up.
0: Right, because there's a market for that. Or if I wrote about any Roman, right? Julius Caesar gets a new book about him every year. Uh, Benjamin Franklin gets a new book about him every year. There, uh, you know, Certain historical eras already have fan bases and others don't. So that's just one of the things you kind of have to keep in mind as you approach the market. Am I approaching a market that exists? Is it a market full of passionate fans? Or am I approaching a market that doesn't have passionate fans? And uh, you can have a market that exists that doesn't have passionate fans, right? There's people who buy ketchup, pretty much everybody buys the same ketchup, and then there's people who buy hot sauce. Hot sauce fans are much more passionate, they care, very deeply about their hot sauce. They watch YouTube videos about people eating hot sauce, right? Like that's a big passionate market. Whereas no one's passionate about Heinz ketchup. We're all like, yeah, that's good. But no one's like, I wanna watch a YouTube video about Heinz ketchup and how amazing it is. And so um, that's the same thing with different literary genres. Sometimes you have different passion levels and that affects how you market to them. Now. We would be remiss if we didn't talk about Amazon ads. They're all the rage right now. Uh, For many authors, this is the only thing they do for promoting their book, which I think is a mistake. But for some authors, it works. And I just want to ask, like, what kind of results are you seeing with Amazon ads for your books?
1: Amazon ads are expensive. So I spend probably two to $3,000 a month on Amazon ads. Um, Facebook is is my largest platform. Amazon's not very far behind it. And the advantage of Amazon is people are already primed to buy. They're on Amazon to purchase something and it could be a book. So you can reach a ready-made audience. And so while you're paying more money for each individual click, you're also much more likely to sell a book to that person. So, I've had a good experience overall, but I didn't really have a good experience until my backlist was deep enough that I got read through. So, somebody would pay to buy the first book. And because it's in a seven book series, I get six more sales. Then it starts to get profitable. But just advertising one book with Amazon ads, I haven't seen people these days um, able to do so profitably unless they're charging a lot for that
0: book. I think this is a really important point because it affects how you write your books as well as how you advertise them. Having a really long series that people, Can't wait to finish, right? Having seven books in a series isn't enough if people read book one and then leave it, right? (laughs) You have to end book one in such a way where people can't wait to buy book two. In fact, I'm in the middle of a book series right now where I'm buying the books faster than I'm reading them because the the idea of waiting to go through the purchase process on Audible at the end of one book uh, before the next one starts like, I can't take that much break from this book. (laughs) And so I bought, I don't know, six, uh, I think I'm 10 books deep into this series, Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. It, it, uh, It's one of these series, like, how have I not discovered this already? And, um, but, you know, so they could afford, so this author, uh, David Weber, whose, whose books I'm reading, I've paid probably $100 for Amazon credits uh, for his book so far. If he spent $20 in ads to get me as a reader, it's still financially worth it for him because of how deep into the series I'm reading. And this is what you're talking about. This kind of the more books you have in a series, the uh, higher you can pay to acquire readers. And it kind of gives you a competitive advantage because the person with seven books can bid more than the person with five books who can bid more than the person with just one book that they're trying to promote.
1: Yeah, it's huge the the advantage you get when you have a long backlist because I can afford to spend five dollars to sell a copy of the first book when I'm only charging four dollars for the book. So it looks like you're losing money, but if you have seven or ten or twelve books in the series or like David's got, I don't know, 40, 50 books. I was just at a conference with him recently and Uh, He doesn't know how many books he has in print. So if you ask David how many books have you published, he says, I don't know.
0: (laughs) He just keeps cranking them out, and people like me just keep buying them. It's a a (laughs) tough life. It's a tough life. So, all right, so we talked briefly about Amazon ads, and I totally agree that the advantage of Amazon ads is that you're – it's kind of like you're there in front of customers when they're ready to buy. It's kind of like buying an ad at a bookstore, right? And this is something that publishers will do from time to time. They'll buy advertisements, on-shelf advertisements, to, or in the store, other way, other places, advertisements to promote a book. And the advantage there is that everyone who sees that ad is the kind of person who shops at that kind of bookstore, right? Like, the people driving by on the highway aren't seeing that ad. You're not paying for those people. You're only paying for the people in the bookstore, and they're already in a mood to buy a book. But on the flip side, it is more expensive. And the other downside is that it's a less robust platform. So Facebook has spent billions of dollars on their advertising platform. It's how they fund their business. Whereas Amazon, I feel like their advertising platform is kind of an afterthought. It's the, oh yeah, we should probably add this as a feature. Whereas Amazon wasn't built around the idea of advertising. So there's fewer tools. Have you seen that even out or is it still that Amazon's got the less kind of robust uh, platform.
1: Amazon changes their entire system like every Tuesday. So <laughs> they're, they've they got big iterations happening behind the scene. I expect in the next 12 months, um, even the name of the system will be different. Um, so they are working on it, but yeah, it's, it's uh, an under construction site. It feels like whenever you're working on it.
0: I will say that's how Facebook was in the early days. So I was buying Facebook ads back when they were called campus flyers, when Facebook was college students only. So I've been advertising on Facebook since, I don't know, 2006, I think. And I have seen a lot of iterations in the Facebook platform. And the Facebook platform went through that same evolution, where it was like every six months, it was like a whole different Facebook And now it's matured. I don't feel like Facebook is changing nearly at the rate it used to change. Now the changes are kind of evolutionary changes instead of revolutionary changes. They're not trying to invent the wheel. They're trying to make lighter, faster, cheaper wheels. And each year the wheel gets a little bit better. So eventually Amazon will find something that works, I think, and they'll stop revolutionizing everything and peasants will stop overthrowing the previous government. But uh, we're not there yet, you don't think. We're still in for a lot of changes on the Amazon platform.
1: Yeah, most likely. But, you know, I, I do got to stress that I, in the meantime, we are still making money. So it's, it's a great platform. It's just uh, in flux constantly.
0: And I, I will say it was easier to make money in the early days on Facebook because all of that complexity scared people away. And so you were bidding against fewer other folks. Clicks were far cheaper back then. Do you remember when you could just tell your
1: audience something, like make a post on your wall and they would see it?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. It was amazing. You could talk to them for free. Some people think you still can do that actually. And they're always stunned that no one seems to know what they say. The real power of like things spreading on Facebook is not in people posting to their walls, one on one messages, right? That text you get from your wife or from your best friend telling you to read the, read this blog post or buy this book. That's the power of Facebook that in advertising. Um, but yeah, the it, Facebook used to be way cheaper. In fact, I often discourage people from using Facebook because if they're not using the correct tools, you know, these micro-targeting techniques like you're talking about, it ends up being incredibly expensive because you're bidding against people who are using those techniques. And actually we should talk about real briefly, we've both been talking about bids and costs. We should explain how that works. Is it like you're at an auction and you hold up a paddle? Like what what does it mean when we say bidding for ads? Sure. So you
1: choose one of two different um processes. You're either going to bid for impressions where they're just seeing your ads and you're paying for that, or you're bidding for clicks and you only get charged if somebody clicks on one of those ads. And that's CPC cost per click or CPM, which is cost per mill, which stands for a thousand. And so you're going to pick one of those two on whatever advertising platform that you're on. You're going to say, okay, this is how you guys are going to charge me. And then going forward, that's how they bill you is based off of that, that chosen um, billing platform.
0: And the bidding happens kind of in real time and you set up a proxy. So you basically there's like a robot assistant of yours at Facebook, and you give the robot uh, instructions. So don't bid more than a dollar a click, and don't spend more than $30 total, or whatever the instructions you are. And so the robot's kind of lifting its paddle in real time, bidding it's everybody else's robots for those groups of people. So And the price can fluctuate, uh, sometimes very dramatically, especially around elections. So uh, by the way, Don't buy advertisements for your books the two weeks ahead of an election in your area because all of this political money floods in and the cost for those clicks just goes through the roof. Uh, And it's and, you know, politicians want to waste their own money. That's great. Don't let them waste your money by (laughs) driving up your your clicks. I, I realize there's no elections coming up for a while. But as somebody who's been in the game for a long time, I'll tell you, October on a presidential election year gets weird in Facebook ads world in terms of pricing, so just keep that in mind um, don't make any long term decisions based off what happens uh, before primary or before uh, a major election so we're we're almost out of time didn't mean to get off on that uh tangent not taking any political sides here all the parties buy ads um <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what, what what is real quick i want to talk about the third kind of uh, leg of the stool so we talked about amazon ads we talked about facebook ads Let's talk real briefly about bookbub ads what's a bookbub ad and how is it different from the other two
1: So BookBub figured out very early on um, that readers like free and cheap books and that they were going to use the internet to find it. And so they have accumulated – I don't even know how many millions of readers at this point. And so what you as an author can do is pay them to reach this this group of readers – and the holy grail of, of author promotion is getting a BookBub ad in your genre where you're one of the few books that they're going to mail out that day and say, okay, here's five books that are on sale for $0.99, cents and, and let's say that you know 2 million people are going to see that. So we're talking potentially thousands and thousands of sales. Um, but BookBub also does pay-per-click ads where in the side of that email where you're seeing these other books, um, you can do your own ad and you can design exactly what it looks like and you can say, hey, click through here and buy my book. So you can advertise in both those ways, but the, the long and short of it is you're going to be included in mailers that go out every day to millions of readers in your genre.
0: And if you go to Amazon right now and look at the top-selling Kindle books, of the top 30 Kindle books today, whatever day it is, there's a very good chance that 20 of those books were the books mentioned in that day's book bump. <laughs> like, that's how powerful uh, this email is. It just really determines who the bestsellers are. And it explains why books shift as bestsellers uh, day to day. And it's always really impressive for those 10 remaining books that are number one without being uh, a book bub. It's like, wow, something's really special about that book if it's able to maintain that level of sales uh, day after day. Now, we have just scratched the surface of covering um, advertising. Like so we've kind of talked in vague terms about what it is and how it can be used by authors. W- what we would like to do, what Chris and I are gonna do is we're gonna have a webinar uh, where we answer your questions about book advertising. Uh, on We'll talk about Amazon, we'll talk about Facebook, we'll talk about BookBub uh, and whatever else you have questions on and I'm going to be hosting it with Chris. It's going to be live. So it's going to be June 25th, 2019. So for those of you listening in the future, I'm sorry, I have to get a time machine if you want to listen. Uh, but for <laughs> those of you uh, where June 25th, uh, 2019 is still in the future for you, there's still a chance. Uh, you, you, can, you can come live. We'll both be there answering your questions, talking about Uh, book marketing. I'll have a link in the show notes uh, for those of you who want to uh, attend that webinar. And if you register for the webinar, we'll send you a recording for the webinar. Uh, So you don't have to come live, but you do have to come live if you want to ask your own questions. You can listen to other people's questions uh, after the fact. Um, Chris, do you have any final thoughts when it comes to book marketing? Anything that we should have talked about but didn't?
1: Uh, just that I would recommend that you as an author adopt an approach of experimentation, stop listening a little bit to experts. And I put that in air quotes out there who are telling you to do specific things. It's good to get that information, but the most valuable information for you as an author is how your individual ads are doing with your audience. And it's really easy to put off that testing and to not, um, do the kind of experimentation that you need to do because it costs money. Get to a point where you're comfortable doing that, test it yourself, and you'll find that you'll learn things that you can't learn anywhere else.
0: That is so good. And it's one of the biggest benefits of advertising is that you're able to do those experiments and learn about your audience. And uh, it allows you to adapt your advertising to be more effective with them, but also adapt your writing to be more effective with them. Uh, Again, think of that person who couldn't get more than two people to download his free uh, ebook, right? Like that's a that's lessons, <laughs> like that's data that you can make scientific decisions on. It's like maybe I need to write in a different genre or change something because what I'm doing isn't working. And it's much better to get that information now than after you've spent two years polishing a book only to find out that it's not the kind of book that anybody uh, wants to buy. All right, our sponsor today is the Christian Writers Institute, and in the course of the day is the Smart Self Publishing Bundle uh, that has. Courses by Lacey Williams and by myself. Uh, it's easy to publish an ebook, but it's difficult to be a successful indie author. And Lacey Williams is one of the top indie authors in her genre. Uh, she is very good at what she does and she breaks down in these different courses, the publishing basics, how to find your readers. She talks about building a newsletter and email newsletter marketing. She talks about copywriting. She talks about the technical how-tos of actually uploading your book and getting things formatted correctly. And she even goes into subsidiary rights. Uh, it's This is an excellent, excellent bundle of courses. And it also has a course by me on how to get published. It's a big overview of the entire Process. If you were to buy these courses individually, they're $140. But as a bundle, they're only $49. But if you use coupon code podcast, you can save an additional 10% off at checkout. So we do encourage you to to take a look at that. And thank you to the Christian Writers Institute for being our sponsor. And uh, Chris, uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, You guys can find more information from me at
1: chrisfoxwrites.com. I've got a YouTube channel with literally hundreds of videos on marketing, on craft, uh, on everything from plotting to selling your books. And it is all free and available if you think it is useful.
0: And I will say Chris Fox is the real deal. I've read many of his books on writing and I cannot recommend them enough. And I can't thank you enough, Chris, for coming on the show. This has been great. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me, Thomas. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.